This week on Blue 58, if everybody could just stop doing stuff for like five minutes, I would really appreciate it. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the official podcast of thepowersweep.com, coming to you for the first time in 2018. I am your host, John Meerdink, excited to be with you here for the first time in a couple weeks in this capacity and the first time again this year for episode number 63. There's a whole heck of a lot of stuff going on, and this is going to be a little bit of a non-traditional episode as we start a new year. We're not going to go the headline one, two, three sort of thing, and then a main topic, because everything that is happening is kind of the main topic. I don't know really what I expected. I didn't really expect this. Um, In fact, it was a little bit frustrating there for a while uh, at some point late Monday, because I had pretty much this entire podcast done. A little peek behind the curtain. I kind of start working on what I'm going to do for an episode of Blue 58. Sometime during the day on Sunday, usually by about halftime late in the, in the Packers game, you've got a pretty good idea what the, what the big story is going to be for the next week. And since the season was going to be over for the Packers, I figured we would focus the bulk of our time together this week talking about sort of the key decisions that brought us to, I guess, the, the story that we ended up with in the, in the 2017 Packers season, namely the Packers missing the playoffs. And the big thing I thought there was really the quarterback position. How the Packers handled the quarterback position really, to me, was the story of the 2017 season. So I was looking back at all the stuff that the Packers had done with Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, you know, the plan was for him to be the quarterback for the entire season. So maybe they did some things that would have uh, maybe been different if they had been prepping for someone else. Um, And then the backup quarterback situation with Brett Hundley being the primary backup. Taysom Hill leaving for New Orleans, Joe Callahan being in, being out, being in, being out, not bringing in a veteran free agent. Um, the, the the whole Brian Hoyer situation, that was a storyline for a hot second there near midseason. All of that. So we were going to talk about quarterbacks and what this means about the Packers and, and how they handle their, their talent at that position. Then, you know, over the weekend we had, you know, uh, Devontae Adams and Corey Lindsley re-signing, I guess, late in the week. So that was going to be a story as well. But then the dominoes really started to fall. Monday, Dom Capers gets fired. Maybe not entirely unexpected. The timing perhaps a little bit surprising that they went with it right away. I, I guess you could say that if you wanted to. But but ultimately, I think we all sort of felt like this is something that was going to happen, that Dom Capers wasn't going to be the defensive coordinator for the Packers next season. So not a huge surprise there. But then we also hear that Mike Turgovac and Scott McCurley get fired. McCurley, I guess, could take it or leave it. Um, But Turgovac to me was surprising because he was a Mike McCarthy guy. He was brought in by McCarthy. They go way back. And to me, it always seems like he's been a pretty well-regarded guy on the Packers coaching staff. If anybody was going to be safe, as the Packers go through this defensive transition, it seems like he would have been one of those guys. Apparently not the case because he's out of a job now. But then the big one happens. Monday night, about quarter to seven my time in Indiana, uh, so quarter to six uh, in, in Packers land, the news comes out that Ted Thompson will be moving out of his role as general manager. Initially, I thought he had been fired, but it turns out that is not the case. He is just moving into this different role. Uh, I don't really know if he has any actual power in this advisory sort of role that he will be taking on or what his actual responsibilities are going to be, or if he has any actual responsibilities, if it's just sort of an empty title to get him to, to be out of this position. But there's the big one. 
the Packers now need a new general manager. So today, as we're all sorting through this information, kind of trying to let things breathe, see if the Packers are going to make a news, uh, any other news related to this, we get a couple more little nuggets. First, uh, the Packers have signed Mike McCarthy to a contract extension. Not now, apparently a couple months ago. At some point during the 2017 season, McCarthy signed a one-year extension, meaning he has two years remaining left on his deal, 2018 and then 2019. Presumably, that would protect him from any new general manager, but maybe not. We'll get to that a little bit later on. Then we find out that the Packers have enlisted the help of a search firm to make this general manager hiring decision. Not entirely out of the ordinary, but a little bit weird, given the fact that the Packers have several internal candidates that seem to be very highly regarded. And at this point in the day, before this later story breaks, they have four of them. Brian Gutekunst and Elliot Wolf, everybody's favorite. Russ Ball, their current cap guru. And Alonzo Highsmith, the kind of their director of... Essentially, the guy who's in charge of all of their scouts. Another really high-ranking personnel guy. So it's a little bit surprising to hear that they, they're employing this search firm to help them with their GM hiring process, given that these guys are already in the building. But then Alonzo Highsmith up and leaves for the Cleveland Browns. Takes on a high-ranking position there, very high-ranking. Sounds like he'll be pretty much second-in-command to former Packers personnel man John Dorsey, who is now the general manager in Cleveland. A lot of people thought he would have been one of the frontrunners for this job had he been available at the time that the Packers were looking. The Browns hired him when they did, in part to avoid that very thing, him being exposed to interviews with these other teams who were looking to hire a general manager. So he's in Cleveland, now Highsmith is there. All of that comes together into what suddenly is going to be a very, very interesting offseason for the Packers. There's a lot going on for the Packers this offseason, which is good. And I think it's good for a reason that was actually going to be incorporated into the original version of this podcast. My lovely wife over this this last couple of weeks provided me with one of my favorite Christmas presents of all time. Um, I love... J.R. Tolkien in fantasy, his fantasy writing, uh, specifically The Hobbit and the, the Lord of the Rings and The Silmarillion and all this stuff he does there. But I was reading the copy of The Hobbit that my wife gave me for Christmas, and an interesting quote uh, came across or came to mind there. Um, early in the book, the, the main characters get out of some trouble, and they get to a place where they can have a little downtime for a couple weeks. And Tolkien actually says they, they were at this place for a couple weeks. Nothing happened. Not a real big deal. I'm not going to tell you a lot about it. Here's why. He says, quote, Now it is a strange thing, but things that are good to have and days that are good to spend are soon told about and not much to listen to. While things that are uncomfortable, palpitating, or even gruesome may make a good tale, and they take a good deal of telling anyway. End quote. That is exactly the situation the Packers find themselves in heading into this offseason. And that is where Mark Murphy will be spending the next few months of his career, uh, for, for I guess at the very least the next few weeks of his career, right in the center of a, a story that might be a little bit gruesome, a little bit palpitating, probably some danger in there for him. 
it's it's really boring sometimes talking about everything being great. And anybody can write about things being good. If the Packers just pounded their way through the playoffs and pummeled everybody they encountered, sure, that would be a lot of fun. But it's really boring to write about. I mean, what real nuance can you draw out of a lot of dominating wins in a Super Bowl victory? Everybody's writing about that. Our traffic dips at the power sweep when things are going well for the Packers. And it tends to go up when things aren't going so well. Because it's a lot easier, I think, to come up with things to say when there are problems that you can explore and that you have to work your way through. This is going to be an interesting offseason for the Packers because there are a lot of problems to work through. And at the center of them all is Mark Murphy. I think this is going to be the defining era of Mark Murphy's time with the Packers. Let's rewind to when he came aboard. Late in the in the year 2007, officially taking over as president and CEO of the Packers at the start of 2008. The Packers in 2007 were in the process of wrapping up an NFC North title. Brett Favre, still the quarterback for the Packers, putting up some pretty good numbers in his second season under Mike McCarthy. Aaron Rodgers was around, wasn't playing a whole lot. In fact, at this point in the 2007 season, when they, they announced that Murphy was going to be the next president and CEO, Rodgers was actually on injured reserve with a broken foot. Murphy takes over for Bob Harlan, and his first major task is negotiating that transition from Favre to Rodgers. He's largely hands-off with that because he is the president and CEO, and he's got a general manager to do that. Since then, there really hasn't been a lot of upheaval in the Packers organization. Most of their growth and most of the things that Murphy has had to do have been on the business side, the Titletown district, managing what have been record profits for the Packers over most of the past 10 years. Now, though, he has to make football decisions. He has to make the call on a general manager who could technically fire Mike McCarthy and hire their own guy. He also has to put his team through this decision in a position to handle the last few years of Aaron Rodgers' career. That is no small task there, and there's no small amount of pressure that goes with it. So with all that in mind, I have a few questions about this situation, and I don't have a lot of answers for them. And I think anybody who says they have answers on these things is lying to you. Quite frankly, we do not know a lot about what the personnel people for professional football teams really do. Because they just don't reveal that information. We don't know a lot about their day-to-day operations, how they do business, who is in charge of what decisions, who is responsible for certain players getting picked up. Sometimes we get an idea which scouts are responsible for you know, drawing teams' attentions to certain draft picks because of the area of the country that they scout. A couple of years ago, the Packers drafted a whole bunch of Pac-12 players, and it was the Sam Seal draft because he's their West Coast scout. He, he scouts all those Pac-12 teams. Beyond that, it's hard to tell really what's going on behind the scenes and, and who's a real mover and shaker. People love Elliot Wolf because they know know his name, but really, what do you know about him? Not a whole lot. I know because I tried to write a whole column about what we know about Elliot Wolf, and really, there's not a whole lot out there. He seems like he'd probably be good at it, but we really don't know. So, all that to say, I have several questions about what the Packers are going to do, and specifically what Mike or Mark Murphy is going to do as he moves forward through this process. And I think the answers are going to be pretty interesting and, and very telling for this era of Packers history. First, in all this, how does Murphy handle his internal candidates 
for this job. He still has three very well-regarded internal candidates here for this job. And how he goes about this hiring process, I think will determine how many, if any, end up staying with the Packers in the future. Say, for example, the Packers hire Brian Gutekunst to be their next general manager. Now, I could see a situation where Russ Ball would stay around because his job has mainly uh, revolved around just managing the cap, making sure the Packers were in good financial straits, good financial situation, no matter what contracts they have coming up. And the Packers have been real good about that because they've been able to sign whoever they need to uh, to keep their core together, even if a couple guys have, have gone away. Uh, they've, they've been competitive with their, with their salary cap. But if the Packers hire a guy like Gutekunst, where does that leave Wolf? He probably doesn't want to stick around and just do the same job if the Packers just hired a guy who was at a similar level to him in the organization. He's not going to be moving up to that top job anytime soon. The Packers aren't going to hire Gutekunst and then fire him next year so they can make Elliot Wolf the GM. It's just not going to happen. He probably moves on. And this, the same is probably true if the Packers hire Wolf and leave Gutekunst in his certain role. Why would he stick around? There's, there's really no reason for, for him to do that. It's also possible that, that Russ Ball might want a, a crack at that job, and if either of the other two guys get hired, he might want to bolt too, just get a shot at doing something different for a while. I don't know, and, and how Murphy handles those dynamics will go a long way towards how the per- Packers personnel department shakes out, because one or multiple of these guys is going to end up shaping not only the the GM role, but all of the roles beneath that. They're going to have to hire new guys, uh, promote people into new roles, and things like that. This is a big deal, and it's going to affect a lot of the Packers' organizational structure. Along those same lines, what's the deal with this search firm, especially if Murphy seemed to have an idea of what Ted Thompson was going to do? Dating back several years, you can look at stories coming about, out, out about Ted Thompson being potentially ready to retire. Uh, you know, stuff coming out from the inside about him maybe wanting to go on and do some different things or, or return to scouting or something like that. Contemplating retirement, though it never seemed imminent. And in a lot of those stories, Mark Murphy, quoting directly, said that he had a plan in place, that he talks to Thompson a lot. And they've got an idea what they want to do after Thompson retires. And I think that's pretty good management. If you're not prepared for changes on a, on short notice, I think you probably shouldn't have been in a position to make decisions regarding those changes in the first place. I mean, this is a pretty small league if you think about it. Compared to other businesses, there really aren't a lot of competitors around. There are 31 other NFL teams, and who runs those teams is pretty common knowledge. You or I could probably put together a pretty decent short list of general manager candidates just by going to other teams' websites and seeing who's been doing high-ranking personnel jobs for a long time. You probably get a pretty good idea of who's out there. So why hire this search firm uh, if he if he had some sort of idea of what's going on? I don't have a good answer for this, and I don't have many good theories. This is a pretty common thing for companies to do, hire these big-time firms. Uh, they tend to be pretty expensive, and it tends to cost a lot of money to, to hire Uh, to identify someone who could fill a position. But if you're really good at your job, why do you need one in the first place? And what are you trying to do or what are you trying to accomplish here? Are you trying to find out about some other personnel people around the league? Shouldn't you know that already? That seems a little bit weird to me. 
Also, what sort of message does this send to your internal candidates? If if the Packers are that uncertain about the guys that they have in-house already, that they have to go and hire this firm to tell them about some of the other people that run personnel departments in other parts of the league, I mean, I, that doesn't send a lot of, or that doesn't inspire me with a lot of confidence. If I'm one of these guys who's been, you know, working my way up in the Packers organization for 10, 15 years in some of these cases, I think that's a, that's a little bit odd, and I'm not sure it's great optically for the Packers. One of the big knocks on Thompson, start to finish in his career in Green Bay, was that he didn't deal with the press very well. I think it's a defensible de- de- decision on his end to not talk to the press a lot. But it definitely hurt him, and it hurt his perception. The Packers need to be careful about managing that perception as they go through this process because people are watching, because this isn't a position the Packers have been in a lot. Talking about this search firm publicly does not help the Packers manage those optics, and I think it's it's a questionable position. Third question I'm looking at as the Packers go through this is where does Mike McCarthy fit into all this? Gary brought up a really good point in uh, in something that's going to be in, it's in our piece that we ran about McCarthy's contract extension. If you'll remember, the year before he was fired, Mike Sherman also signed a contract extension. And at the time he was let go, he had two years remaining on his deal with the Packers. Signing a contract extension means practically nothing for an NFL coach. If a team wants to get out of their deal with a head coach, there are pretty much no ramifications for saying, all right, you're not going to be the head coach anymore. Pretty easy to absorb the cost of a coach's contract. It doesn't affect your salary cap going forward. It, it's pretty easy to handle. You might have to you know, pay out some of his contract for the life of his deal, but NFL coaches don't tend to have typically pretty long deals anyway. So not a real big deal. So how does McCarthy, even given this contract extension, fit into the Packers picture going forward? It's really common for new general managers to want to hire, quote-unquote, their guy when they get that first job as a general manager. And it's easy to see why. You don't want somebody else uh, having a message that's contrary to yours or being responsible for your successes, uh, success, especially someone that you didn't hire. I wouldn't want someone who is not my first choice for a job either affecting my success one way or another, positively or negatively. So if, if you're a new general manager coming in and Mike McCarthy does a fantastic job over these next two years, who gets credit for that? Do you as the new general manager, the man in charge, get credit for that? Or does the McCarthy, the guy who's been here all along? Uh, the flip side of that is if, if you don't have the opportunity to hire a new head coach and he does terrible, how does that reflect on you? I mean, you can't, how long can you just say, well, it's, it's the coach. It wasn't my fault that we were terrible over these two years. He wasn't the guy I wanted anyway. It's, it's a tough situation for a new general manager to come in. And I think unless the Packers go with an internal candidate who was already in on this contract situation to begin with, it's going to be a tough sell for a new person coming in. It, it's it's kind of weird going forward. I I wouldn't be – it's not outside the realm of possibility, I think, for a new general manager to come in and to fire Mike McCarthy despite him just signing this contract extension, especially if they get a new general manager in here in a hurry because new coaches are going to be coming out of the market here and uh, there may be opportunities to get a different coach in there, especially since they're going to be hiring a defensive coordinator anyway. 
along those same lines, what if McCarthy sticks around for a year and hires this really promising defensive coordinator who turns things around for the Packers and then they decide they want to make a change a year from now? Where do the Packers go with that new defensive coordinator they, they just hired? That It puts the Packers in a weird situation, extending McCarthy's contract and then making the, the, the GM switch. It's It seems pretty weird, and it shows that Mark Murphy was not really involved in the football side of things that much, and, and that could be concerning depending on how you look, uh, look at it. I, I, I'm not sure you always want your president... Uh, of the team super involved in the football side of things, especially since uh, Murphy seems to have done a real good job on the business side of things. But if it was purely a Thompson decision to extend Mike McCarthy and Murphy didn't have any say in it, that's a little bit concerning to me. Fourthly, and this is something that I, I have not seen a lot of people talking about or thinking about, what if this all goes terribly wrong? What if moving on from Ted Thompson turns out to have been a bad idea? He's been a great general manager, and I think he gets way more blame for the Packers' struggles in the past couple of years than he should. There have been a lot of things that have been out of his control that have just not gone well for the Packers. And if a couple of things go differently, slightly differently for the Packers, he might have three rings as a general manager right now. And if the refs call things fair back when he was with the Seahawks, he probably has four Super Bowl rings by now. He's been a very successful general manager. And replacing that level of success is not a given. There is no guarantee that whoever the Packers put in that role next is going to be as good or better than Ted Thompson. A lot of people seem to assume that whoever is general manager next is going to be an improvement, and that is not a guarantee. It could be worse. Just because these internal candidates are well-regarded with the Packers doesn't mean that they're going to be good general managers. Just because you're good at your job at a certain level doesn't mean that translates to being the person in charge. I've had opportunities to be in charge of, of small projects, and it's not gone well. I'm not a good manager of people. I think Gary would tell you a lot about that because I tend to end up in my own little world doing things that are only of interest to me. And that's fine if you have specific tasks set out for you. But if you're in charge of things, that takes an entirely different set of skills. And there's no guarantee that these promising internal candidates that the Packers have are in possession of those kind of skills. We just don't know. And it could be that they end up being worse than Thompson. How would that play out with the with the fan base? So it's possible that the Packers could hire an internal candidate that just doesn't work out. It's also possible that they lose all of these promising internal guys because of an external hire. A couple different ways that could happen. First, they, they bring in somebody from outside the organization. Maybe, I don't know, someone, I, I don't have a good example off the top of my head, but just somebody from a different team who's been working their way up the ranks a lot like the, the guys they have internally have. And he decides... You know what? I'm, I'm really not feeling Gudekunst. I'm really not feeling Wolf. It seems like you guys kind of want to do your own things anyway. Why don't you guys just go find your own thing to do, find your own team to run? I'm going to go in a different direction here. Then maybe Russ Ball sees that and's like, hmm, not really sure. I want to get used to working with a new guy. I'm going to polish up the old resume, update the LinkedIn profile, and see what I can find out there. See what I can do for myself. I've got a pretty good resume. Packer's been pretty successful while I've been here. I think I can do better than this too. 
I think it's very possible that the Packers could lose all these guys if they decide to bring in somebody from outside the organization. It probably would be almost expected that they would. I, I wouldn't want to stick around and work for somebody new if my team passed over me for a promotion. Why would I? Especially if I've been angling for that kind of job for a, a while, if I'm a guy like Wolf or Gutekunst. I think you have to explore that as a possibility, which is why it's so important that Murphy handle all this well. Finally, again, it's no guarantee that anybody they hire is going to be an improvement over Thompson or even as good, uh, whether they hire internal or external. This could all go really wrong. And I I hesitate to think of the things that, that could result because of that. I mean, Aaron Rodgers says that he wants to finish his career with the Packers, but, you know, if things start getting really crazy, maybe he doesn't want to. Maybe the Packers find out that Mike McCarthy actually is a highly successful NFL coach because their new guy fires him and hires some guy who's just kind of a bum. What if he brings Jeff Fisher out of wherever he's doing or whatever he's doing right now, not coaching for an NFL team? It could be bad, and I think we need to be conscious of that fact as fans and as people who are are thinking about this team going forward. This could all go really badly, and... I hope it doesn't, but that option needs to be on the on the table, and we have to think about that. While I've got you here, we've got to t- talk a little bit about Mike McCarthy's weight. Specifically, we got to talk about people talking about Mike McCarthy's weight. The broadcast team on Sunday for the Packers-Lions game was Dick Stockton and Mark Schlereth. It was a dumpster fire. These guys are real bad. And I had a whole bunch of sound pulled for these guys, but I want to focus on this topic because as bad as they were, the worst part of all of it was this. A topic prompted by Mark Schlereth out of the blue talking about what it's like for an outdoor team to come and play in a dome late in the season. Anytime you get to this point of the year and you're in the wintertime, you know, you're out of practice, you've got sweats on, you've gained a little bit of weight. I'm not saying McCarthy, I'm just saying the players in general. Then you come to the heat of a dome, it's a little bit different. You're not quite used to it. It gives the advantage to the Lions. So you notice that Schlereth says, I'm, I'm not talking about McCarthy there. He goes out of his way to say he's not implying that Mike McCarthy has gained a bunch of weight during the season until after the play when he decides, wait a second, that is exactly what I meant. Now that said, Dick, I'm sure McCarthy would admit that he's probably gained a few pounds uh, during the course of the season. That's just coaching in general, but that's what happens to you. There you go, McCarthy right there. That's there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of extra Christmas dinner right there, but that's how we operate in cold weather climates. I played in those, and you always put a few pounds on toward the end of the year, especially when you coach in the Midwest where it's absolutely. Cold like Why even bring that up? That's a really odd thing to bring up, especially from Schlereth, Schlereth, whose nickname, as you might know, is Stink. And if you've got a couple minutes, Google how he got that nickname. You will be amazed at the story of how he became known as Stink. It's not because, you know, he was a kind and gentle soul who always kept himself fastidiously clean. It is quite the opposite of that. He still uses that nickname in his professional life today. I'm not sure he should be handing out life advice about other people's weight. Maybe back off a little bit. But he is not the only one. Venerable columnist Bob McGinn also saw fit to bring up Mike McCarthy's weight 
unprompted during a column about the departure of Ted Thompson. Quoting from the end of this column at BobMcGinnFootball.com, which you cannot read because it is behind a paywall. Quote, Despite McCarthy's enviable record over 12 seasons, one reason the 54-year-old coach might not be as secure as many would think is the staleness factor. Like Thompson, McCarthy doesn't project energy. A further quote, I think he looks heavy and tired, a friend of his said in November. Friend of McCarthy's, allegedly, apparently. The quote continues, I do think that when in your mid-50s and you're that much overweight, I think it's hard to have the same juice you did when you were 40 pounds lighter seven, eight years ago, end quote. This should not be read as McGinn just passing along information that he happened across. This is McGinn making a statement about McCarthy. There's a reason that newspaper reporters and people who do podcasts and stuff pick particular quotes. You're trying to illustrate a point. People, be it Schlereth or McGinn or some random Twitter egg online, seem to feel like they have a license to criticize McCarthy's weight. And I don't really understand why. When did it become a part of his job or a part of his performance as a coach to talk about his weight? McCarthy's always been a bit of a portly guy. Sure, he was skinnier in 2006 when he came aboard. Who among us doesn't gain a little bit of extra weight as we age? Maybe it's a little bit more weight than he should have added. Maybe not. But I do know that a guy's physical body really should be off limits. It doesn't matter. It's like me pointing out that Bob McGinn's hair is more gray now than when he started writing for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Oh, he's getting a little bit older. You can see that by his gray hair. And I wonder if maybe he's not as sharp as he used to be as a result. After all, you only get gray hair when you get a little bit old. Do you see how ludicrous that sounds? When you talk about anything else about somebody's body other than their weight, you sound like an insane person. Don't do this. Just don't be that guy who's going to talk about somebody else's weight. Anyway, that's my rant for today. Cue the closing music. It's different now. New music, new year. Let's do something different. You can find us, if you choose to do so, at thepowersweep.com. You can also connect with us at Facebook and Twitter, both of those fine uh, fine websites. Search for at thepowersweep. It'll bring you right to us. If you'd like to make contact via Gmail, via email rather, you can do that at thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. If you would choose to support us, you can do that a variety of ways in this new year. Give us a review on iTunes, a rating as well. That's a real easy, free way to support the Power Sweep. Uh, a good review is, is all so much the better. We appreciate that. But if you have some critical thoughts as well, yeah, maybe just keep those to yourself. I'm kidding. If you really want to leave that in a review, I would encourage that as well. Financial support is also appreciated. The easiest, most convenient way to do that is probably patreon.com, a buck a month. Uh, we would really appreciate that. Of course, you also have t-shirts you can buy at teespring.com. You can find our, uh, the link to our site there uh, via the shop link at thepowersweep.com. We do love to hear from you. Any feedback you give us helps us make this whole operation, Blue 58, the Power Sweep, better. It helps all of us become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we are all trying to be. I'm John Meerdink. We will see you next week in this very interesting offseason on Blue 58.